Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Pastor Larry Davis. Right on. So today, we are finally going to stop talking about stress after today. So uh, I know a lot of you are excited. You're like, seriously, quit stabbing me with this subject. Um, So today, uh, I'm super excited to wrap this up. Um, We've uh, spent the last three weeks unpacking stress uh, and creating more stress through the unpacking of it. Um, as we've had uh, revelations, epiphanies, um, frustrating moments, and even some awesome aha moments um, and testimony come from that. Um, <clears throat> so um, we're going to kind of review where we've gone and today where we're going. And I'm super excited. We're going to kind of just finish that off today with um, the last little group of people um, that we've missed. But first, I wanted to give you guys some statistics about stress or just the state of this country and nation. Um, 60 million uh, men in America describe, describe themselves as stressed out. 60 million men would say that. The average desk worker in America has 56 hours of work on their desk, and they spend three to six hours a week just sorting piles, trying to get organized to do their work uh, that they have piled up on their desks. Um, the average middle manager is, is inru- interrupted 93 times a day. That's why nothing's getting done. <laughs> uh, on average, we spend eight months of our lives opening junk mail. Ridiculous. Um, we spend two years of our lives trying to call people who aren't in or the line is busy. That's disgusting. It's called texting. Um, <laughs> uh, we spend one year searching for misplaced objects. A lot of you are like, yes, and I still haven't found it. When? When the average misplaced object is moved only 10 inches from its original place, right? We put it in a safe place, right? More than 80 million, hear that, 80 million Americans are on Prozac, and that includes children. Credit card debt is at its highest level ever with the consumer debt currently at $2.4 trillion. I don't even know how to make math equal that, but that is a lot. I don't even know what equation you come up with to make a trillion. It's a lot. According to um, Lynn Neal Hancock, um, in 1850, the average person slept nine and a half hours tonight. But today, thanks to electricity and comfortable beds and heat, um, right now the average is just over six hours a night. There are 90 million people with sleep disorders. Um, And we live in a a society that is fried by work and frazzled with a lack of time. Stress. We carry stress around like a badge of honor. Many of you do. Many people you know do. Um, They like to own it. This especially is true among the business and community leaders um, where the lie is propagated that uh, to, to be overbooked is to be important. Even people in vocational ministry and in the community and the leaders often have this line. They say, I'd rather flame out than rust out. The problem is, either way, you're out. Much of our stress uh, in life comes as a result of our, of our wanting to maintain our insistence on maintaining this illusion of control. And that's something we've talked about a lot 
in this series about control equals stress. We used cones to review real quickly with you guys. We had one cone. We said, this is our plan in life. This is the way life ought to be. This is what we think is fantastic. This is where we see us in life. We had another cone and said, this is reality. This is really what's really happening right now. And we said, when those two things line up pretty close together, everything is a-okay. Akuna Matata, we are on the right page. Um, life is cool. Stress-free. But as soon as the plan is different from reality, what's going on, how things ought to be, we begin to feel stressed. And when it gets far enough apart, when our world starts spiraling away from the plan and how life ought to be, we grab for the wheel and say, it is time to take control. I need to get out of this mess. I am not comfortable being stressed out of my mind. And we got to get back to the plan. So we take control. That's our fix. We say, we so desperately want to be strong enough in life to handle the trials and tribulations that life will bring, that we will literally, literally grind ourselves into the ground, kill ourselves, than to admit that we need help, that we are in desperate need. And often, we talked last week, that God allows us to reach this breaking point for our own good. We end up swimming in this deep end in a situation. And it's only in rare moments of clarity that from bottoming out in life that we will allow ourselves to admit that we are, have, are out of control and we have little control in the situation in moments of stress. In these moments, the only thing that we can do is to throw ourselves headlong into God's grace and say, I'm done. In these moments, the pain and the suffering of life and stress drive us to him. Rather than something to be avoided at all costs, last week we mentioned that it's these times that should be embraced as gifts from God. We should thank God for the chance to see our true condition and rid ourselves of the foolish notion that we are some autonomous creature, independent creatures capable of navigating through life on our own. If our successes, if my successes, if your successes and achievements are completely due to our own strength, stress is the only possible end. It's the only outcome. You can never relax. You can never have a Sabbath rest for you. If, however, God is the ultimate source of every good and perfect gift that you receive, then you can relax and you can afford to relax and to trust the outcome of those things of him and in him. In other words, you'll never be able to receive the diamond of grace if we continue clutching onto the things of this world and not giving them to God. So that's kind of where we've gone the last couple weeks. Um, we've walked through this. Like I said, we've unpacked, we've, we've sat down, we've had a very intimate conversation about stress. And one of the groups that we haven't hit yet is, is the group of people that says, you know, Larry, I get it. This has been really good. I, you know, I'm landing this whole conversation. I'm following you. I understand that it's not my plan, it's God's plan, and he's taking control. I'm there. 
I, I understand that I need to not have little faith, that I need to put my faith in God because he's the only thing big enough, strong enough, smart enough to get me through my problems. And I get it last week, you know, I, I heard you, I'm there. I don't think I really have anything that I'm saying yes to in my, or no to in my life that needs to be a yes. I, I don't think I'm denying something or running from something. And I understand that God uses these moments to dredge up things in my life, to conform me to be more like his son. And I'm thankful for those times. I'm trying to be thankful for those times in my life so I can learn from God and know that he is supreme. My problem, Larry is just the daily, not long-term, the day-to-day stress of life. My kids are screaming at me. I got a deadline at work. I'm not getting sleep. I got 90-something hours of work on my desk. People are telling me to go to the doctor and take medicine. Just the day-to-day stress. Not the long-term things that flip your world upside down, but, man, I, I love God, and I understand I'm going through this, what, what about that stress? And so today, friends, we're going to talk about that as we kind of finish this whole thing up. And we're going to talk about it from one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and it comes from the book of Daniel. So if you guys want to open up your Bible and follow along with me a little bit, we're going to go to Daniel. It's a small book in the Bible. If you don't know where that is, kind of open your book, the Bible, right up to like the middle. You'll probably find it. If not, if you know where Matthew at the beginning of the New Testament is, go backwards, like 70 pages If you also don't have a Bible, there's a Bible next to you guys in the chairs. And even on your phone, there's a nifty application called uversion.com. It's a free Bible app. It'll even read you the Bible. Not today. I'm going to read for you. So don't, (laughs) I don't need to all sit here reading. Sorry, Bible. (laughs) So I'm going to catch you up into this story. Uh, Like I said, it's one of my favorite stories. Uh, You know, most of you are probably fairly familiar with this story. Um, but it is powerful. What has happened is um, Babylon has gone into all sorts of other nations and been conquering them. He's been going in and, and they've been taking over these nations. And what it is, is it's getting tough now for them to go ahead and to be able to control the areas that they've conquered from a distance from Babylon itself. So what they've decided to do is very smart. They decided to go and take um, the children, young, the smartest, the brightest uh, young children, and take them back with them basically as captives to Babylon, which will then in turn keep uh, these nations that they've gone and conquered from coming and attacking them. So it's actually very smart what they're doing. They're able to manage everybody else because everyone else is going to stay at distance because they know that their own children are there and they don't want to attack that place. Well, these children were taken, uh, you know, not because they wanted to go, but they were taken by force and now they're being held captive and they're being even given Babylonian names. So everything about them is being changed and challenged. And because they're the brightest and the smartest group, they then wanted to invest into them and uh, help them be servants of the king. And so to the point where they would even uh, feed them food from the king's table because they said, you know, we need to make sure you eat well, that you're taken care of, we're going to invest into you, and you're going to serve our king, which is an even bigger slap in the face. And what's happened is, is in Jerusalem, Jerusalem was taken over, and they pulled some Israelites out of there. And there's four that we hear about in Daniel, which is Daniel, and his name has changed. And then um, they have different names, but I'll tell you their given name in Babylonian is we get to hear about some boys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Indeed, one of my favorite stories. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going through stress. They are being taken away from home, what's comfortable. 
They are now in a situation that is out of their control, but they still are following God's plan for their life. God, you must have a plan. You're working in this. And they, they gain favor with King Nebuchadnezzar. It's a tongue twister. King Nebuchadnezzar really likes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Likes them enough, he empowers them and makes them advisors over different areas of Babylon. So they actually have territory that they're overseeing and in charge of. That's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are very smart young men. And so what happens is King Nebuchadnezzar builds an idol that's 90 feet wide and 90 feet tall, it says in the scripture, of gold. We don't know what it is. We don't know if it is King Nebuchadnezzar himself or it's one of the many Babylonian gods. Now, a lot of you would say that's very ignorant, um, but indeed it was a moment of brilliance. See, it was brilliant because in Babylon now, there is an eclectic group, a melting pot of people that come, have all sorts of different gods in their different backgrounds, um, ways in that their beliefs are set. And so they're kind of all the map. map. So he brought them together and said, we're going to meet under this one thing, and you're going to know that I'm in control. And the reason you're going to know I'm in control is because when you hear the horns, the flutes, the pipes, all different kinds of music... At that moment, everyone needs to bow down. They need to hit the ground and bow down and worship that idol. You can have your own, but we're going to meet here. And if you don't, you will die. He was brilliant. He was bringing them all together and showing that at the end of the day, you, you depend on me. I make the decisions around here. So it's now come time that they set up this decree to everyone and explain to them the gig. When this all happens, when the music starts going nuts and crazy, you need to bow down. And it happened. And everyone did it. And it even says, everyone did it, except Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Very interesting that it says everyone did it, except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Now, these guys are advisors now for the king. And everyone's watching them, so they see them, and they complain about it. I can only imagine the situation. I mean, they have to have friends there. As everyone bows down and being like, what are you doing? Like grabbing at their ankles, pinching them, like get off of me. Or like, did you not hear that? Do, do, do. Like making their own noises. Like you're supposed to get down. They're like, you died. Do you not get that? What is the deal? Uh, but no, they, they stood strong in a moment of stress. Something that came up that was out of control in their day. And so people saw that. So they went to the king and they said, hey, check this out. There's actually people that aren't listening to you. And they are Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know them. You've invested into them. And so we're going to get into the story right now. If you guys go to Daniel 3, I'm going to start in verse 13. It says, Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither, the lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, then very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to save you and rescue you from my hand. That's a pretty scary moment. That's a very scary moment. And I got to think Nebuchadnezzar is looking at him like, guys, I know you. Do this and we're good. 
please don't make me make an example of you in this moment. We have this so many times in the place of work or in our home, in our car, around other people, where in moments of stress, in stressful situations, that our character and integrity will be tested. In this moment, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's character and integrity is now going to be tested. They have a choice to make. There's many of you guys that have choices to make every day in work that can be stressful. Where you draw the line. What's okay and what's not okay. And you have to make that decision. I mean, I can only imagine them in their place. They have followed God. They've gone the direction. Said, God, man, I haven't really messed up. Okay. I mean, this is, we bow down to this dumb little thing and make you happy or we die. I mean, do you do like the, oh, I'm just stretching. That's good, right? That like fulfilled your little thing or, oh, shoot, rock, cramp. And they didn't do that. Their character and integrity of what they believed in didn't change. There are going to be times, friends, when you are put in stressful situations every day. Every day you will be put in stressful It's inevitable. It happens. It's the world we live in. But God gives us crazy, awesome tools in which to be prepared for them. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are an example of someone just like many of you who have followed God. And now they're at a moment where they have a choice to make. How they sign their name on something at work. How you react to someone who cut you off. How you react when the phone's ringing, when you haven't slept good, when your kids are screaming, when they got a bad grade, they're going to be kicked out of school. Do you bow down to it? Do you give in for just that moment because it'll help make things a little bit smoother? Or do you stay standing? Your character and integrity will be tested. So let's continue on with the scripture. It says in verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, listen to that, even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Wow. I mean, that's intense. That's scary. I mean, that is stress to the supreme. Like out of your mind. Look it. We're not doing it. Because my God is bigger and he is able to save us from this. But even if he doesn't, in this moment of stress, even if he doesn't, I'm not going to give in to this stressful moment. I'm not going to give in to this moment right now. How we react to stress and how we behave is a reflection of what we believe. How we behave in moments of stress and act is a reflection of what we believe. You can tell many people at work, and some people may know you, or in your family, you could even tell your children, man, I'm a Christ follower, I love God. But your reaction in certain situations, in stressful situations, and how you handle those is really a true reflection of what you believe. Not to say that we're perfect, but that's where you hear the word like hypocrite. We're not perfect. 
No, none of us are on a pedestal. Only saved by God's grace are we really okay. But people will see that and say, that's really what you believe in. You're saying it here that you're a Christ follower, but you're not doing it here because your heart's what really talks. That's what moves your actions. And so for them, they said, hey, man, our character and our integrity is being tested right now. We are stressed to the max. We're not giving in because we know our God is able to save us. And even if he doesn't, we're not going to let this moment overtake us. We're not going to bow and bend a knee. Let's continue the story. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude toward them changed. Remember, he knew them. Guys, just do this. And they didn't. So it's time to make an example. His attitude changed towards him. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes were bound up and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent that the furnace was so hot that the flames of the, of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and all of the uppity-ups and the governor people and... The royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor a hair of their head was singed. Their robes were not scorched, and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defiled the king's command. And they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except for their own God. That's a scary, stressful moment. And a lot of stuff just happened. See, their character and their integrity was challenged. They had a moment. They had a moment where their behavior was going to reflect what they really believed. And they stood firm in that. And hear this, friends. God didn't save them from the fire. He was with them in the fire. He didn't keep, he didn't all of a sudden just make it all better and go away. He was with them in the fire. And he didn't spit them out of the fire. They didn't get thrown in and all of a sudden, whoop, right back up. Nope, try again. Like, God's not even going to let me get in there. No. They were walking around inside, hanging out in that moment, and God was with them in that moment. In our times of stress, you yourself can be shown as powerless, or God's power can be shown to others. 
In our times of stress, we can be shown as powerless and we can break. We can have those moments where we snap and say something that we shouldn't have said or did something that we know we shouldn't have really done or snapped at our kid and we didn't really mean it or go road rage. It happens. We have it. We can be shown as powerless and people saying, man, you got nothing. Or God's power can be shown through us. Have you ever had a moment where someone came up to you and be like, man, I've really never seen you stress. I've never really seen you stress out. What's up with that? That's God's power. I mean, that's, that's people are noticing. Have you ever had a moment where someone says, man, that was like a crazy situation. That was like super stressful and you were just like cool as a clam. How, what's the gig there? People see God's power in our stressful situations. In our times of stress, we have the opportunity to be God, to show God's love, to be the kingdom, a preview of what the kingdom of God really looks like. His power can be shown through those moments, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They got out and said, whoa. I mean, you more than passed the test. We need that. We want that. How do we do that? Not just not get burned by a fire, but how do we stay that strong, that connected in our moments of stress? Could we really sit in our moments of stress and be like, God is with me and know that he's with me and that's powerful and others are watching, your kids are watching, your coworkers are watching, and turn heads. I mean, we have it all the time. I know, uh, you know my sister's an EMT, works in the hospital, uh, in the ER. And talk about a stressful job. I mean, a lot of you guys have those stressful jobs. You're, I mean, you're surrounded by it. But people grasp onto the power of God in those moments, how you handle them, how you handle stressful times in your life. So as we wrap up stress, this series on stress, and we kind of see where it's taken us, and we've unpacked it all, and we're, we're putting it back in the box, and putting it on our belt, our tool belt for things. Can we really remember that in stressful times, our character and integrity is going to be tested? That how we behave is a reflection of what we believe in. And that we have the opportunity to show God's power because he is with us in the fire. He doesn't always save us from the fire, but he is with us in the fire. So I wanted to leave with uh, one challenge. One challenge with this series on stress to kind of wrap it up, and that is the challenge of it. See, we see even in Jesus' life that he dealt with stress in many different ways, but the biggest one was in prayer and petition to his Father, our God. Going to him saying, I can't do this. I can't carry this right now, right now today. This is too much. Take it from me. But then ultimately knowing through his conversations with his father, that God, there is a bigger purpose for this. You are with me now in the midst of this fire and other people will benefit. They will see your power through my moments of stress, my moments of being out of control. So my friends, the challenge of it, it is amazing. It can change your world. It can change everyone around you. It is that thing that tells you to call 
The little voice that tells you to call your friend because you feel suddenly like they need a phone call. And you talk to them, and it smiles when your friend says, I really need that right now. It's what tells you to go get a Costco hot dog for the person standing outside with a sign on the corner. It tugs at you. It's the thing that has all those crazy great ideas that you have a conversation with. You're like, wow, that's like the best idea in the world. I came up with that. But it came up with it. It's that thing that tells you, nah, you shouldn't do that. That's not the right thing to do. It has amazing ideas, and it is the Holy Spirit. Many people, many students, many adults say, man, I'm just waiting. I've never heard God. How do I hear God? You know, is there like an audible voice? Do I see like a writing from a note? You know, I find some, you know, a message in a bottle. It is in you. God gave us it. Jesus said, I have to go because it will comfort you and you need it. What if this week you listened to it? All week, the challenge of it. Would your life be crazy if you listened to it? Because it can change your world. It can only be heard when you're listening for it. It says in the scriptures that you have to be quiet and still in a small whisper. God will speak to you. It a lot of times gets drowned out by our noise. When we're busy in the car and there's music going on, there's all those other things, and when we're finally quiet and from singing in the shower, it then speaks to you and you have a conversation with it. And it's fantastic. Could you talk to it this week? Could it help you through your times of stress? Is it with you in the fire? The challenge of it. This week, friends, I challenge you to listen to everything it has to say. Be quiet and still and see where it leads. If it tells you that you're going and you're on the right plan, the path, if it tells you to go along somebody else and there are times of stress, if it says, stop stressing out, it's okay, I've got you. Will your life go crazy? I'm interested this week, if you did everything it said, try to, it is so hard. If you did everything it said, would your life be changed? Would other lives be changed? Could you come back next week and be like, Larry, my life has gone down the, sh- the, the, the drain. You're full of it. <laughs> I am done. Come back and tell me. I want to hear. I want to hear how it changed your life. It, my friends, is with you in times of stress. And it is the only thing, the only thing that can help you. Bow your heads and pray with me. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Benicia, California.